Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Podcast One presents Let Lisa Help. Former insult comic Lisa Lampanelli is now a full-fledged life coach, and she wants to help you whether you like it or not. Join the former queen of mean as she continues her journey as the queen of meaning. She'll share her life experiences, the tools she's learned along the way, and a healthy dose of humor. So if you have a problem, let Lisa help. And now, here's your host, Lisa Lampanelli. Okay, everybody. Well, that was like, <laughs> leave that in. Look, I like it, engineer, when people leave in my mistakes because it shows Lisa. You may think she's perfect, but she has flaws also, like having that really big frog in her throat. And it's appropriate that I have a frog in my throat with someone who deals with singers as my guest all the time. That is a really bad segue into my interview with my good friend. And I mean that by like, what? We met twice and saw each other on Instagram. (laughs) He is the writer of the, all the, and the orchestrator. Is that how you say it? Not orchestrator, just, just, just composer. You know what, Matt? You. Matt Hugh. I call him Matt Hugh because he, his mom likes when he's called Matthew, and I don't blame her because that is your given name by Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> Matthew Sklar, who wrote the... The prom. The prom! This, to me, was the best libretto, and I know that's not the right word. The best, no, it is. No, I did? Absolutely. Libretto of a book is... Oh, my God. Uh, of, of, of a musical is the book part. Look at how much I learned, people. <laughs> on this version of... On this episode of Let Lisa Help, I'm going to talk about the Matthew Sklar wrote the prom. Now, this show was very impactful to me, not because I was a lesbian who had to take a girl to the prom and was not allowed to, but because it resonated with me and all others who saw it. It is difficult to fit in in this world. We are just all trying to do our best. And I think this show was terrific and deserved all the Tony nominations that it got. Matthew Scalar, welcome to Let Lisa Help. Thank you for having me. I freaking love you. First of all, I follow you on Instagram. You have a super hot girlfriend. Yes, she's very hot. This is what I like about you, Matthew. You're a cute guy, but you outkicked your coverage. You know this. Oh, I know. That is a football expression for saying she's way hotter. Straight boy in musical theater. Well, see, now that's the greatest secret a terrific, of all time. terrific, terrific thing. Because you were surrounded with these hot broads. Yeah. Now, did you meet her in the musical theater? I did. I met her. My agency was giving a Tony party about oh. three, a little over three years ago. And she, uh, one of her friends is a client. And oh. we met there. And we just hit it off right away. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it was like meant to be. Did you yeah, feel? Absolutely. No, it felt great right away. What was your first date? My uh, Our first date, let's see. You can't really count the night that we met as a first date, but it went right. until five in the morning. Oh. Yeah, we, we, we just stayed out all night. We had a great we had a great time. Were you like um, talking? Oh, yeah. We were talking. We, we got to know each other. Uh, we, we were also surrounded by friends and we had people in common. So it was kind of an easy, oh, yeah. easy, uh, you know, uh, easy first meeting. Right. And then our first date... Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed by this. But <laughs> we met at a hotel bar um, near uh, where I live, near Lincoln Center, and I was trying to decide between two different bars, right. and I went to the wrong one. <gasps> so she thought Dude. that I was standing her up, and I realized it about five minutes before I was going. I was supposed to be there, right. and I 
ran because I couldn't oh. find a cab. There was no, there was right. dead traffic. So I, I ran and I was all sweaty when I got there. And I told her what happened right away. I was like, all right, you're going to think I'm a moron. But this just happened. And she was like, oh my God, I had, I was going to come in five minutes late. I was going to show oh, you my new dress. Thing. It was a whole yes. thing. So I said, let's just. Let's just hit the reset button. I'm going to sit down here. You go You go outside. And she came back in, and we literally hit a reset button. And then we started the date. And honestly, Aww. the ice was broken right away. Yes. So it was actually really great. And then uh, and uh, we just started talking right away. And it was, it was great. She's awesome. I love this. Yeah. Because, you know, when I see these pictures on Instagram with some couples, you feel they're fake and oh, yeah. set up. And I see yours, and I say... This, this looks like a genuine couple who isn't trying to pose for a picture to look happy. It's actually oh, yeah. some kind of a heart really comes through, which I really like. Oh, good, and good. that's why I liked uh, this. This The prom had so much heart mm. and I'm so happy it's living on. It's yeah. going to tour. It's going to be a Netflix movie. Yeah. This thing is a big deal. Yeah. Now, why do you think, now, when you were writing this with your partner, Chad, who we'll we talk yeah. to in a little bit, I feel like this must have been something. And of course, in my mind, with you guys, because you're geniuses, anyone could write music. I don't understand. <laughs> I personally know I could write a musical. I had a I great idea could. for a musical called yeah. Codependency, the musical, uh-huh. with the big, big opening number, Boy Is My Twat Tired. <laughs> I thought this could be a very big <laughs> I love it. However, I had no <laughs> musical talent or ability. That's what held me back. But the ideas are flowing. Yeah. Now, who has the initial idea for a show like this? Well, this show uh, was very unique because a producer actually came up with the idea, a guy named Jack Vertel, uh, who is the artistic director of Encores at City Center, and he's a Broadway producer. He came up with the idea for Smokey Joe's Cafe, which was on Broadway forever. Like He's an idea guy. Yeah. And uh, he was producing something that our director, Casey Nicola, was Mm. directing. And And Casey, of course, first came into prominence as a choreographer. Then he directed group uh, this Book of Mormon. Mormon. Fantastic. Absolutely. And and he also has Mean Girls, and he also has Aladdin. So he has four shows on Broadway. He is right what now, which we is call an overachiever, but <laughs> yes, that's exactly. good as long as he keeps putting out good product. Exactly. And He's I think great. Book of Mormon. What was great about that, and the prom had in common, was heart. Absolutely. And and one thing Casey said early on, he said, I, I think the reason this is a good idea is because it can be a contemporary story told in a, kind of a, a traditional musical theater package. And those things bumping up against each other, I think, makes it a bit subversive, which yes. is really fun about it. Right. Um, right. So, so Jack had this crazy idea in 2010. That's how long it took, oh eight years to get this thing on stage. And Jack basically was reading in the paper and there are these stories about these, these kids who weren't allowed to take their same-sex partners to the prom. And, mm. you know, in the theater community, that is – it's just outrageous to us because yeah. more than half the people we work with are gay and it's just, it's just you know, normal life, you know, sure. for, for our for our, uh, community. So we're just all outraged by it. And Jack said, maybe we can do something. Maybe we can bring – you know, what if I call these, you know, musical theater stars and we go down to Louisiana or wherever the thing took place and, and then he stopped, like, literally by thinking about it and he said, that's the worst idea Ever, because we would just make things worse. Right, and then he right. thought, ding, 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 right. there might be something in there. Yeah. So that was the idea for the show. And he brought it to Casey. And uh, Casey, Chad, 
uh, Bob Martin, who also co-wrote the script with us, we'd all done Elf on Broadway together. Um, P.S. Where I met you the first time. Yes, yes saw it three yes. times. God bless and you. Buddy the Elf is my favorite <laughs> song of all time. Yay. But sometimes I'll even listen to all the Elf, the whole soundtrack, <laughs> not in the winter. Yeah, like uh, it'll be the summer. Good. That is such a fantastic oh, thank show. You. Thank you. Yeah, we had we had a great time putting that one together, and that that one only took three and a half years or Oy four day. years. So long, it's ridiculous. Oh um, but uh, Jack had just seen a presentation of Elf and thought that Bob, Chad, me, and Casey might be the right team to take prom to the stage. So we met with him and we started uh, kind of outlining the stories, who the characters could be, um, and we worked on it for years and then started you know threading in some songs what could the songs be we we usually work in an outline where we outline outline the entire show um and then song spot so we that spot could have a song this spot could have a song and and uh when we have the outline document then we start really writing but it took four years before we brought the actors in then another four years before we finally made it to new york oh my god it's a crazy process every step takes like a year well that's what i was going to ask you because this is very uh interesting to me when i was doing i I had written an off-broadway show Mm -hmm. and we had two small runs of it I could not believe, compared to comedy, how slow theater yeah, goes. Yeah. First of all, by the way, the nice, the, the 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 sweetness and community feeling of the theater far outweighs sure. the comedy yeah. world because there's actually people who like each other yeah. and work together. I'm sure there's some who are a pain in the ass, but with comics, we'll just all hate each other <laughs> now because everybody's so competitive. And sure, the better, sure. and it's yeah. a single-minded yeah. thing where it's okay. I'm the best. You suck. But right. this community aspect is appealing. The thing that would drive me crazy about it was how long it would take. Yeah. So as you're growing up, where did you grow up? New Jersey. Jersey. Now, did you always have a capacity to sort of go, okay, I'm putting the work in. It's okay if it's slow. Or is that something you had to develop as an adult and go, I just have to accept my reality? Because a lot of people, careers go slow. Life goes slow, and they're just, like, so frustrated. Yeah. I think I was fortunate because I kind of had two careers, and my first Mm -hmm. career went very quickly, and that was as a pit musician. So I always wanted to, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be in the orchestra of a Broadway musical, conduct a Broadway musical. And I was, when I was in high school, I I knew I wanted to be in the theater Mm -hmm. because I did it in school, and I did it in community theater and summer programs, and it was my happiest time. So Mm -hmm. I said, I just want to do that for a living. And I met people when I was young who did it for a living so I knew it was actually possible right. so I uh, I really wanted to um, uh, make a living in this world and I met Marvin Hamlish who wrote A Chorus Line when I was 15 years old hmm. And he heard me play and said, you're really good. Mm-hmm. And so I stayed in touch with him and he put me in touch with people that did the pit musician thing. Right. So I got very lucky and through people I met through Marvin and through people I met at uh, Juilliard pre-college where I went to a high school program, mm-hmm. I got a job playing the keyboards at Les Mis as a substitute when I was 18. Oh my. So I was a freshman at NYU, and I got this opportunity to play on Broadway in a big hit show, and I I did well there. Yeah. And from there, they uh, they introduced me to the team at Miss Saigon. They also needed mm-hmm. some new substitute keyboardists, and then there was a yeah. But that's a lot harder because you got to play in Chinese. <laughs> well, I get. It. I will say it was a much harder, <laughs> a much harder. No, was book. it actually harder? It, it was the the technique 
involved in Miss Saigon was way different than the technique uh, that was involved in Les Mis. Les Mis was kind of a slow, kind of anthemic kind of show. Yeah. Um, Miss Saigon has a lot more, um, just a lot more, uh, you know, fast passages that you, you have to get in, in your fingers. And that was a little harder, but... Well, did you sometimes at rehearsal just play chopsticks to piss people <laughs> off? Well, that would not I go would. over well there. <laughs> I know. I that found, would. by the way, that's one thing I found about theater. You can't make any jokes no, whatsoever about ethnicity. We are very politically correct. Oh, my God. It almost killed me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I bet. I made an Eastern Indian joke once. Oh, no, you're not. And there wasn't anybody even Eastern Indian <laughs> no, there. No, no, and no, I go, no, no. I'm like, but I'm the writer. They're like, yeah, no. No, theater people are on the cutting edge of political correctness. Oh, yes, oh, yes, Oh, for sure, yes. for sure. Oh, so you're playing in this show, Miss yeah. Saigon. Yeah. And uh, so basically, I got this start very early as, as being a pit musician, knowing that I wanted to be a writer, not knowing that being a writer professionally was going to take forever. Yeah. But I had this other career to kind of sustain me mm. and and I could make a living. I went to NYU, so I was going to college and playing shows at night. I eventually ended up leaving college about during junior year because I got a, I got offered a full time job that just was going to conflict too much. And I can't say that my my advisor at school was very uh, supportive of this idea. Yeah. So I talked to my parents and I said, "Listen, I'm going to school to do this thing that I'm having getting the opportunity to do. Wow. So I really want to follow that." And they said, "Okay, we support you. You can always go back to school." Um, and okay, in the back I love of my your mind, parents. yeah, no, they were great. They're they're, really, they're they're awesome and they're the most supportive people ever. Sometimes to the point of being crazy. Wow. They're, well, yeah. You know, I recently advised a girl to quit college mm-hmm. because she said um, a very famous comic had noticed how funny she was. Mm-hmm. I said and took her on the road. I said, "Is he me too in you?" Yeah. I said, "I don't like that." Right, right, right. I said, "If he's doing one of these, grab you by the thing." No, and she goes, "No, no, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. He's actually a lot of his comedy is based on being anti that, and yeah, he's yeah. very safe." Okay, good. And I said, "Well." Quit college and blame me. Because yeah. I think sometimes you just got to go with it. So yeah. you you have obviously no regrets about doing this. No, not at all. Not at all. Nobody's ever asked me where I went to college if never. I finished. And a lot of composers uh, in New York that I really admire never finished school or went to school. Right. The, the, you have to be educated. And I spent my entire childhood being educated in music. And I went through to Juilliard and I did a, a summer as a composition major at Tanglewood where it's like oh, very yeah. heavy duty classical training. So I have training and I can I can notate and I can arrange and write my own music that and a lot of composers can't do that hmm. um, so uh, getting the foundation of education is important I think right, right. but actually getting the actual college degree in my in my line of work it's not essential what was the job that made you quit uh, it was assistant conductor of Les Mis on Broadway. Oh, hey. Yeah, no, it was I mean, crazy. I was, 21, I was 21 years old, and I was, I guess I was a junior. Yeah, I was a junior. Um, and it just seemed like I was ready. I'd already been at the show for three years. I played years of rehearsals and and conducted the show, I don't know how many times already. Um, oh, no, I'm wrong. I played the show a bunch of times, and then they felt I was ready to conduct the show. And then I did that for another three years, and then I got my first full-time job uh, on a new musical called, believe it or not, Titanic. Literally, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've and, seen and that. it won Best Musical. Everybody yeah. thought everybody was crazy for doing this, yeah. and and it, and it ended up winning five Tony Awards: Best Musical, Best yeah. Score, Best Book, mm-hmm. and it was a really wonderful show. Sure. And I got to get up and conduct a twenty-six-piece orchestra regularly and a cast of forty-seven on stage. It was an amazing experience. Experience and 
I also learned through that show that I wanted to really be a composer because up to that point, I really thought, all right, I want to be a music director. That's really what I want to do. And then as soon as I had the opportunity to be the music director of a show, because as soon as we opened, that show got not great reviews and everybody thought we were going to close. And then uh, so our music director, who I was the associate to, took another job for the summer. So they bumped me up for two full months to be the music director of the show. And I was 23, 24, and I was in charge of this $10 million musical in 1997. It's massive. And during that uh, time, I loved conducting, but the management part and the maintenance part of the show, I realized this is not where my soul wants to be. Yes. I don't want to do this every day. And I love the show and I think it's brilliant. And I'm learning so much with it, but this is not where I want to ultimately be. So I, it, I left that show about a year and a half in and everybody thought I was nuts. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I want to concentrate on writing musicals. And by that time, I had met Chad, who's my writing partner now of over 25 years, and we were really working. But I had to give up financial security. Yep. I had to give up being part of a show that, you know, is a family. And that's, you know, that's the thing about shows. You, you are doing, you're living through a crazy thing together. Yeah. Everybody, you know, has this sole focus and it's this massive undertaking and, and you become, I hate to say it, but you become a family. No, it I, sounds I, so dorky, but it's true. true. Hey, I don't like to brag. Yeah. But two weeks ago I was in a community theater production. <gasps> Please. Of Barnum. Oh, I love I it. I don't like to brag because <laughs> this is my big. Oh, I love now. that. But even me, yeah. on the level of doing this dumb little show, actually, the quality of the performers was so good and the Absolutely. orchestra was so good. Absolutely. I was like, oh, okay, that's what you get with Lower Fairfield County. Like, you're going to get something that's half decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly, the next week, I was super sad. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, and I can imagine you a year and a half. But you know what? Also, my audience is a lot about, because they see how I made this life change from yeah. insult comedy to doing, yep. helping people. They always say to me, how could you do that? Just like they said to you. Yeah. Uh, quitting Titanic or mm -hmm. the X-rated version, tight anus. <laughs> now, yes. I, oh, we're allowed to curse. I, well, is anus a curse? I don't know. Look that know. up, Rachel. Uh, so I feel like you are a very good example to people to go, listen, you can't be one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. You had to really commit. Yes. You have to make the choice and realize that there will be consequences from it because yeah. there were years where I didn't make a penny oh and I had God. to kind of live off of the savings. And then I did go back to playing uh, some shows because I didn't have any money. Sure. But I tried not to do anything for too long. I tried to make shorter commitments. Um, and then I started getting into arranging, um, and which was a bit creative, but it's not. It's not composing. It's not that you don't have free reign over everything. You're serving somebody else's work, but it's still creative. Um, but I uh, so I did that until uh, I basically was in the pit on and off until the end of 2005. Mm -hmm. And then during that, I through a variety of circumstances, um, I got an opportunity to write a musical adaptation of The Wedding Singer yes. for New Line Cinema and for a producer named Margot Line. And they had done Hairspray together. Right. And the producer of Hairspray, Margot Lyon, is this wonderful woman, and she had seen a reading of a show Chad and I wrote in uh, 1998 called The Rhythm Club. Mm -hmm. And now The Rhythm Club uh, almost made it to Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I was 26 years old. I almost had a show that wow. was going to make it. We had a theater booked. There's a, there's a picture of Chad and me with, our, uh, with uh, posing next to our billboard in Schubert Alley. 
It was announced wow. in the New York Times. The money fell through right before, <gasps> and it didn't happen. Wait, when the billboard was already up? Yep, it was already up. It was, the show was announced. We had we were going to Chicago, doing it out of town, and we were coming to Broadway. And it was going to open the week after the producers. Whoa. So we would have gotten creamed anyway. Well, so in hindsight, I'm like, thank God that didn't well, happen. This is the thing, too. Yeah. Anytime I'm old enough to... What, I'm probably twice your age. How old are you? I'm actually 45. Okay. Uh, you look very young. Oh, God bless I'm 57. You. I always say I've learned enough to know anything that I wasn't supposed to get. Thank God I didn't. Yeah. Because I remember years ago when I first started comedy auditioning for this stupid show on Lifetime called Girls Night Out, which was a uh-huh. bunch of women doing stand-up. First of all, right, I right. never like to be lumped in with women doing stand-up because mm-hmm. I do stand-up like a guy or right, I did right. stand-up like a guy. And I was like, I wasn't ready. Who did I think I was to think yeah. I could do three funny minutes when I started? Right. So do you – once you had a sadness like that, did, when that didn't happen, of course, at the time, it's devastating. Yeah. How do you feel about it now if you look back? Do you say, good thing it didn't happen because it either A, wasn't my best work, it was my first – it was my first thing and not as good as my debut should be? Or how do you yeah. look at it? I look back at it. Uh, I think it gave us strength that we needed mm-hmm. to have to bounce back from that because it was so devastating and publicly humiliating for us wow. because we had been in the press and we had they we had you know we were, during rehearsals because we had already we had done a very small production of it but people knew it was moving on yeah. so we had camera crews on us at rehearsals and we had these press days and it was a very oh, public thing yes. and then it just went away so I couldn't. I had trouble walking to the theater district for a full year afterwards. That's I just couldn't even go there yes, you have because to it heal. was too painful. I needed time. Mm-hmm. And I but I look back now and say I'm okay with that happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, who knows what would have happened because I do think there was a lot of good work in there. It would have been, you know, could have been a great thing for us, but I think the subject matter which was 1938 Hamburg, you know, kids in Germany who loved American swing music. It was literally like wow. a, 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 a Nazi Germany musical. Which is always which, funny. Exactly. Terrific stuff. Exactly. Hilarious. <laughs> and, but it would have opened a week yeah. after the producers. producers. And it, they would have just eaten us alive. Yeah, they would have just said you copied them even though you'd never seen it. it well, it would have been like, just... we want to see what Mel Brooks did. Yeah. What Mel Brooks yeah. did, not what you guys did. Because right. our show right. is very earnest. And I, and I do think there was a lot of good stuff in there. And, and people have tried to you know, you know, know, make it happen again. And mm-hmm. it, at this point, it kind of feels like baby pictures to us. You know, we were that, so I young. love that you said that. Yeah, we were well, so Matthew, I honestly, I heard this show, The Rhythm Club. Mm-hmm. It's not your best work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> no, no, but what, isn't it great to just have the perspective? And I love that you, you know, it sounds, you know, kind of earnest on my part, but you have to grieve the thing that didn't happen. Yeah. I'm glad you couldn't walk through Times Square for a little while because you have to feel it and go, this is painful. Yeah. And then you go, okay, now I can get back with it. Absolutely. And and God bless Margot Lyon, who's Mm. the producer of of, uh, Wedding Singer, because she read the news and called us and said, okay, I believe in you guys. Let's let's now concentrate on this new show. Wow. And we did. And it got to Broadway. Oh, my God. And, and it, took, it took six years, another six years, mm-hmm. but it got there. And Wedding Singer led to Elf and Elf led to the prom. Right. And they're all directly connected. So it's... 
And they're all so good. Like, that's oh, what thanks. cracks me up. It's like, <laughs> you don't have, like, a stinker to your name. Oh, thank God. And it, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> and you will, because we oh, all Oh, I'm do, sure I will. But probably, I don't know if you will. Maybe I there, hope there not. are some people, I, I, as composers, maybe not. There's always, an, an actor always has one movie, at least, that they're oh, yeah. ashamed of. But I don't know. Your work is so good. Oh, do you ever thanks. say to yourself, how did I get so gifted? I mean, honestly, oh, I'm God. not joking, because <laughs> people think they're not gifted, and they're like, oh, I'm just like a writer. I can just compose. It's mm-hmm. like, no, it's really effing hard. Like, do you realize how hard your job is or it doesn't seem uh, hard to you? No, I, I realize how hard it is. I've always had an instinct for music. I started mm-hmm. playing piano when I was two years old. Mm-hmm. My dad uh, uh, was a pediatric dentist, but he worked him, uh, himself through school by playing in bar mitzvah and wedding bands. Aww. He's a really good piano player. Huh? So I, I, you know, I had it in my house. So I just watched it and I could play by ear. And then they started me at lessons at four and I just had a really good education and I think you know music practicing the piano was not my favorite thing when I was yeah. a kid I did not I kind of rebelled against that a little bit right. but I could always instinctively do it mm. and then it was when I started doing school shows and with my friends and oh all the pretty girls are doing the show right, and right. there's like four guys yeah. like like I that stuff you know led me to the theater sure. and but as soon as I started doing theater I just loved it I just loved it for, you know, just at its, you know, core value. I just loved doing it. Yes. And the other stuff was just kind of candy. But mm. but I just love being a part of the theater. I love that, especially musical theater, because it's every single art form all at once. Right. For one goal. So there, you're working with a set designer. You're working with a choreographer. You're working with a playwright. You're working with a lighting guy. You're working with um, somebody who's building the sets. You know, it's every single creative art form all mashed into one wow. one project. And I find that really exciting. And yeah, I and you've been uh, doing it, operating at it, sort of a rarefied level for so long. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you lucky. said, wait, you, the first time you, the, the when you quit the full time job, uh, excuse me, when mm-hmm. you quit school for the job, it was, yeah. you were like 21. I was 21. But I, the first time I was allowed into a Broadway stage door to work professionally, I was 18. 18. Yeah. Now, here's the question they put you in charge of this orchestra mm-hmm. at 21. 23, sorry. 23. That was Titanic. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No joke. Did you have a beard back then? Or? No. Well, because I had so much more hair. Ask, yeah. Is because my brother <laughs> was such a young boss at his first um, when he when he began working at ESPN. Yeah, he was so young, mm. and you're not allowed to ask age. But oh, right, yeah. he looked like really young, so he grew a beard, mm-hmm. and he was able All to sort of like respect. stave off some yes. of that BS that the older guys had. Yeah. Did you ever feel any <laughs> resentment on the part of the older people who were passed over? Because you, you're like a prodigy. Well, I got, you know, I, I met really uh, good people who believed in me early on. And also, I was able, I did a lot of homework, and I was able to do the job. And I think at the end of the day... They just want somebody who can do the job. Yeah. Because quite frankly, in the Broadway pit musician world, each player has five subs so they can take off. The regular player can go oh can God, go play five. play a night at the New York Philharmonic or go, you know, see their kids, you know, mm-hmm. science fair. You know, sure. uh, you're allowed to take a certain amount of performances off, but you need a really good player to mm-hmm. substitute for you. So getting a young player who is hungry is yeah. the best sub. So I was actually a great sub for Miss Saigon and Les Mis because I was always available. And when I started, you know, having my own uh, full-time jobs, I wanted somebody that was like, 
20, who was a great player who I knew that would always be available because that gave me flexibility. Yes. So I think that's yes. one of the reasons I kind of, I was, I was very, uh, you know, I was, uh, I functioned very well for them. So I think that was a very, you know, that helped me out a lot too. Yeah. And then well, in turn, I got great experience. Sure. You know, I like the fact that you have a really good sense of like, this is sort of, it, it almost sounds like you're, you're not fascinated by it, but you're like, you know, this like a gift that this career is such a gift that it's not, yeah. that you were able to do this. It's oh, like yeah. really exciting. Oh, I, you yeah. don't like take it for granted of no. like, oh yeah, then we did this. and No, no, no. I, I don't take it for granted for a second because I know how hard it is. I have so many talented colleagues that have just not gotten a break yet. Mm, and, right. and I'm not better than them. I just have happened to have a couple projects get to New York and then after New York have a life. Right. And it's a lot of it is just about getting that project to New York City. And it's it's a lot of things have to align to do that. And All the right. finances of Broadway are insane. Oh, my God. It's, it's so crazy. Yeah, it's out of control. Yeah. And it yeah. really makes it very difficult mm -hmm. to get something here, to get something original, which is mm. what the prom is, which is a miracle that it happened because, you know, almost all of the shows now are based on something. Yes. Or it's a jukebox musical mm -hmm. based on another composer's work. Mm -hmm. So the songs are already there and everybody already yeah. knows them going in. To get something that's truly, literally somebody had an idea mm -hmm. and to create it and make it and have it get to Broadway is really, really rare. And and I we're the only one running right now. I that's, know that's, that that's from this season. Well, and the fact is, what's great about this show is I love the fact that it is based on a real event. Sure, but making it into something that is just so like um, it, it's so uh, it makes it keeps it from being overly earnest. Oh yeah, because it could be earnest. That, that's the F thing. Well, well, that's oh. the thing, and I think that's why it works as well as it does because you know, yes, you have this emotional center, and you know, it's ultimately about. You know, acceptance and mm -hmm. and listening and and LGBTQ rights and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but it's also hilarious. Oh my god, it's so funny! And every time you know something happens, it's kind of earnest. There's always a really yes. funny joke just yeah. to punch you, right? You know, in right. the best possible way. Yep. You know, you don't see it coming. You go, oh my god! So there's a lot of in the audience you can see, and I and I, cause I I'm there like once a week now, mm -hmm. and I watch the audience, and I know when you'll see people with wiping away tears, and oh, then yeah. Brooks Ashmanska said some says something hilarious yep. and then they're literally wiping away tears and laughing at the same time yeah. that is so hard to do i know right so hard right? to do and i mean and it's what happens because i remember uh putting an instagram picture out that right after i saw it and it was just like laughed cried laughed cried because yeah. you that's what you're doing yeah i did not see that coming <laughs> and also i didn't even know what the show was about right I right. go in thinking it's about a prom. I said, well, this is going to be super gay. <laughs> and I just go, but it's about this whole event that yeah. happened. So yeah. it was great. It's about a bunch of events. It's not about a one specific event. I right. just want to make sure that's clear. Because, oh, yeah. um, you know, some people have thought this is about a particular event. It's actually about a bunch of them yeah. that we kind of, you know, that was the starting point yeah. of, of yeah. it. And we made it our own story. We're not basing it on anybody else. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and uh, of course, uh, very sad to me, a lot of the music are closing. Sure. Yeah. And I was shocked that this uh, prom is closing. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to get your co-writer, is that mm -hmm. the correct yeah. phrase, Chad, Chad on the phone, because Chad, to me, is the problem. <laughs> that is the reason this show is closing, and I blame oh God, him no. for those words. Oh the, God, no. the playing of the piano was terrific. <laughs> no. And it's really, we all go through these disappointments. Yeah. But yet. This musical gets snapped up by who? Ryan Murphy. I mean, if yeah. you don't know who he is, <laughs> you got to head your head. Then you never watch TV or a movie. <laughs> 
And you just go, look at that. Yeah. No, look what happens thing. when something is meant to live on forever. It's yeah. going to live on forever. Absolutely. And buttloads of money, which is <laughs> awesome. And that's not what Broadway is about. But I really would like to talk to you about that that feeling of disappointment and how we as people could like power through. Sure. And Chad is a huge disappointment to me already. So <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> no, I know I love Chad. No, I will. <laughs> and listen, we will be right back. Matthew Sklar, tell the people where they can find you on Instagram to follow your super hot girlfriend and you? Sklarbar73. Okay. S-K-L-A-R-B-A-R-73. Okay, see how cute? See how effing creative? <laughs> Mine's just Lisa Lampanelli, but you can follow me too. We'll be right back with Let Lisa Help. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. When your favorite show ends, Rob Sisternino is just getting started with post-show recaps on Podcast One. Sign me up. Join him for live interactive podcasts right after episodes of your favorite shows like Big Little Lies and Star Trek Discovery, plus Netflix original shows like Stranger Things and so much more. I want to see Stranger Things in the big cité. I want some Chicago redemption. Okay, <laughs> another Dick Wolf production, Chicago Stranger yes, Things. Yes. <laughs> Download new episodes of post-show recaps every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody, we're back on Let Lisa Help, the podcast that you never really liked, but now you can't live without. As my <laughs> special guest, I have Matthew Sklar, who is one of the writers. How's that? I like that. Of The Prom, among many other fantastic Broadway musicals. We have uh, established that Matthew is the genius behind the show, and Chad, his co-writer, is the bitter disappointment. Hi, Chad! Hey, how are you? So, Chad, you did the easy part, because here's how I feel, okay? I'm a big writer myself, and I'm like a great songstress. I feel like the uh, notes on the piano are harder than the words. What do you think, Chad? Oh, I agree. That's why I sit in the corner and eat cold porridge until Matt tells me he's ready. That's what I would do, too, because Matthew has a power and a might never be seen, seen by Oh, it. yeah, sure. <laughs> As a straight man in the theater. <laughs> now, Chad, are you a straight or a gay? I'm a gay. Oh, my God. Thank you, God. I was so sick of the straighty breeder vibe in here. <laughs> now, I'm glad you called in, and I'll tell you why. I loved this prom. I've already told you off air how much I love your work. I gotta tell you, no one was more shocked than Lisa Lampanelli when actually I wasn't that shocked because Broadway and theater audiences don't know what they're doing when they announced all these shows closing and I felt a big sadness. Now, my podcast deals a lot with emotions and feelings. How did you feel, the both of you guys? Was this a very big shock to you and a sadness? And how did you feel about this when it happened, Chad? Well, uh, you know... I am one of those big believers in everything happens for a reason. And I, of course, was disappointed. uh, But I feel like the sort of silver lining is, you know, it's going on tour. There's going to be a movie. So the the message of the piece is going to get out there. And so I just I sort of gave it up to the universe and said, okay, I don't know why, but whatever the, the right outcome is already in motion. And there must be a reason. So, you know, but you also have to have time to lick your wounds and, and be mad at everyone. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I agree with you, because if that anger, 
Because there is always with me when something doesn't work out right, like when this podcast company, Podcast Ones, realizes I have three subscribers, they <laughs> will cancel this show and I'll be like sad and angry. I'll be like, I'll blame the world. I'll blame the idiots who don't get me. So do you think, have you always been a guy who has been able to go, look, these are emotions, I have to process them, or did you have to deal with other disappointments where you didn't handle it correctly? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think everybody goes through that where they, you know, look back and think, oh, why did I explode or why didn't I explode? Or, uh, But, you know, it's, it's good. I have a, a great husband and, you know, he keeps reminding me, look, how many shows don't even get to Broadway yes. or get nominated for Tony's? So, you know, it's always good to have someone that, you know, helps you look on the other side of the, of the coin. Yeah, you know, sometimes you do need that safe place to fall and just to vent to. You know, I have a best friend of 32 years and I'll just call her and I'll say, dude, I'm going to vent for five minutes and then I'll shut up and forget everything I just said. And basically, <laughs> you just need that safe place to say those things. And then you could say, now what's really going on inside me is this. Now, you've dealt with disappointments right. before. This, this, this. What was this show? Uh, uh, Rhythm Club. Oh, yeah, the Rhythm, Rhythm Club. Club. I tell you, I saw that. Not your best work. I'm <laughs> kidding. Just said that to Matthew before. No, but um, so does having previous disappointments help more with things that happen now? Definitely. I mean, Matt, you, you could tell your story about the Rhythm Club. It was, a, it was a real heartbreaker. Oh, yeah. He told us. Yeah, yeah I told detail. it in the, last, and, in the last segment. And you know what I like is I like, oh, yeah. I like people who just use resilience and keep coming back because look what you've created ever since. I mean, these things that endure. And it's funny when you just said, uh, you know, when you first got on the call, you said, Every, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And we might not know that reason right away, but we'll know. And you guys now have actual physical proof that this was supposed to go on to even larger audiences. So with the Netflix thing, tell everybody what's going on there and how that even occurred. So our producer, uh, a guy named Bill Damaschke, mm -hmm. um, brought Ryan Murphy to see the show. He'd been trying to get Ryan uh, in to see it. And so Ryan showed up and uh, they had a little meeting afterwards. And then Bill... Uh, texted me to say, so Ryan really loved it, like wow. really loved it and really spoke to him in a big way. And uh, he's thinking about really doing something with it because um, he oh thinks God. it's an important story to tell. Right. So uh, a couple weeks go by and and we get a, a call saying that Ryan wants to turn the prom into a movie. Into a, into a real movie. Yeah. Um, and it was just thrilling. And I was actually in Los Angeles um, with Bob Martin, our, our co-writer. Mm -hmm. And we met with Ryan when we were he was discussing what he wanted to do with it. And what I love about Ryan is that he, you know, amongst being a genius mm -hmm. and being an amazing uh, filmmaker, he wants to reach kids all over the world. Wow. And he said with Netflix, when they hit that go button on Netflix – it goes worldwide. So you have to lock the movie a bit early so they do all their translations. So what happens is, um, you know, when they hit that button, it will go everywhere. He said, I want, I want a gay teenager in Russia to be able to press play and watch this and see their story on screen. I want a kid who, you know, is in the, middle, in the Midwest and parents don't accept uh, them to be able to find something in this story because I wish I had this when I was a kid. So he's doing it for all the right reasons, and I love that, and he's so passionate about it. So, you know, we're really, really excited about it. Well, you know what the shame is, too, Matthew and Chad? This cast you got, a bunch of beginners. 
Lowlifers? <laughs> Lowlifes. Uh, so far, Chad, who signed up to do this, this low-budget film of yours? Uh, oh, God, it's, it's uh, insane. Uh, this little actress named Meryl Streep. Horrible! Um, <laughs> Terrible yeah, woman. Nicole Kidman. Ah! Um, James Corden. Oh, my God. Uh, nobody called Ariana Grande. What? Um, yeah. Uh, Aquafina. Huh? Okay. It's, I, I, Andrew I'm, Andrew Reynolds yeah, and Ke- Keegan-Michael Key. Okay, shut up. No, it's an amazing. It's okay. an amazing group. First of all, I was waiting for you to have a black person and you have a half <laughs> a black person, which is good, Keegan. No, no, but this is terrific. So when you called my agent about being in this movie, I'm sorry I turned it down, but Meryl was able to step up, and this is you what know. I approve of. No, but I mean, what? because what's funny is when I saw the Tonys, I was so happy. Oh, my God, your performance... Uh, Obviously, oh, was phenomenal. Then we see the closing announcement with all these other people closing. Then I see the next day, literally, Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman. I'm like, okay, these guys, they got it pretty good. It's a whirlwind of emotions that week. Yeah. Crazy thing. So when you come out of it, Chad, what right now, if you're sitting there, I know you're sitting there in the Hamptons with who I'm imagining is a very buff, gorgeous husband. He's very, very handsome. Man. <laughs> I bet he is. And I bet you have house people waiting on you because you're a very famous writer now. Do you, what is your overriding emotion as you sit? Do you have, because some people, they still harbor resentment or they harbor uh, anger or sadness, or is it gratitude? How do you most days wake up and feel about this whole turn of events? I mean, it's mixed because like mostly I'm, I'm, you know, remaining very grateful for all of it, for the fact that the show got to Broadway, for the fact that it's you know going to be a movie, for the fact that it's going to tour. Yeah. But there are definitely moments where it'll hit me, and I'm like, why am I sad? I'm like, oh, because it didn't go, you know, it wasn't, the show didn't run as long as I wanted it to on Broadway. So, you know, and I think I just take a moment and go, okay, so that's fine. You're allowed to feel that. I think it's, you know, like you said earlier, you have to sort of be able to go through it and sort of mourn whatever you're feeling, and then you know, hopefully you can talk yourself back into realizing, you know, in the scheme of things, uh, you know, we were very lucky to even have the show be seen and heard. Right. So meaning you have to work through the sad or angry emotions to get to the gratitude, but the gratitude ultimately does win out. And I think that's the point with resilience. You know, you accept the situation as it is, you figure out how to go through it and feel it. And then, I don't know, suddenly gratitude just seems to come naturally. And you, I, I love that you're not like, oh, no, no, soundbite, gratitude, hashtag gratitude, grateful <laughs> AF. It's like, yes, we're eventually grateful AF, but for, for the time being, we're angry AF and sad AF. So I'm, I'm so glad that you're revealing about that because it's not just a platitude. It has to be a way of life, you know? Now, your super handsome, adorable, gorgeous husband who's 6'10", I imagine <laughs> that he is also in the theater, is he? Oh, no, he's not in the theater at all. So he's the exact opposite. He's a CPA and a businessman and, and uh, you know, we're complete opposite. Oh, my God, sounds hot. <laughs> the, <laughs> the reason that sounds hot to me is because when you were a struggling uh, writer of these things, did he help you and support you throughout this? Or did you? is he a recently uh, new relationship? What's going on there? Oh no, it's it's 
funny. We've been together. My husband and I have been together 25 years, and Matt and I have been working together for over 25 years. So it was a very good year for me. Oh, wow, dude. You stepped in ass. Good for you. <laughs> I know. Not too bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, uh, since we've, you know, been together so long, there was definitely a time where I was, you know, bartending and answering phones and while I was trying to write and get things going. So it was great to have him there as, you know, a support in every single way. But, um, have you ever, have you ever said to him, I'm sorry, have you ever said to him the words, and I'm not even joking because I've said this to people and not meant it, but you probably would mean it because he's so handsome. You've said, honey, you're the wind beneath my wings. Have you said this? <laughs> uh, no, because I'd probably have to pay, you know, pay some sort of royalty or something. That's true. So, Bet is hardcore. <laughs> now, uh, so a supportive relationship, 25 years, this is a long time. Now, how do you think, other than the support, has it just really helped you feel like, okay, there's more to the world than just success in business? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny whenever, you know, something doesn't happen, whenever, you know, for example, you don't win a Tony. Yeah, that was <laughs> It's weird. nice to come home and, and, you know, play with the dog and, you know, talk to your loved one and go, oh, what, this is the real prize. This is the real award. Um, yeah. So that's always helpful. Well, see, because from what I know, the writers of Town do not have partners and dogs, so F them. That's what I have to do. No, I know nothing about them nor the show, but you want to know how crazy I am? I will not go see that show because they beat you guys. I'm not kidding. I know I'm robbing myself of a theatrical experience, but I don't care because I would be disloyal to the prom. For years, this is how crazy I am, I wouldn't see anything but Hamilton. Uh, For years, I would not cheat on Hairspray. When I saw Hairspray, I was so moved by not only the interracial aspect, but also the, you know, how they, the, the acceptance of the big girls and things like that. I said I can't cheat on this show. So I am not cheating on the prom, Chad. I will not we appreciate it. until we I get you. my free tickets to Hades Town. Please let yeah, me know. Yeah, good luck with that. I know, exactly. It kind of pisses me off that I don't have any. But no, seriously, I feel like it's such a a good good uh, outlook you have that hey, here's what's important. Cuz yes, work is great, achievement is great, but that other stuff, that's what what you come home to. Did you guys sort of go into this uh Matthew going, look, Hades Town, it's all this stuff about the underworld and this is dark and darkness wins. Did you kind of go, "Eh, we don't expect to win." What happened there? Well, they, you know, they opened very late in the season. Right. They were very well reviewed. They had a lot of great buzz. It's also, you know, uh, based on an album that's yeah. really successful. I mean, it just couldn't be more different than our show. I know, right? Um, but I, I have lots of friends who saw it and absolutely loved it. And, sure. and they, both shows can be great. I know. You know what I mean? It's, it's okay. It's, that's just what it is. It's, it's odd comparing the two. And, you know, it was tough for us because we also opened very early in the season. Yes. You know, we had to get through a difficult winter and, and, uh, you know, opening earlier in the season means you're kind of old news a little bit. So we knew going into it that we were definitely the underdog. Yeah. Um, and then a few weeks before the Tonys, we won the Drama Desk for Best Musical, which Holy was crap. amazing. That was a big deal. Huge. And we thought that, you know, maybe, you know, we could squeak out a win at the Tonys. Mm-hmm. And alas, it did not happen. But I thought we did a We had a great showing. And, and the one thing that has been amazing about this whole show is the young people that have been approaching our actors at the stage door, writing to us on social media, just saying 
how much the show means to them. Yeah. And and then people who are older saying, God, I wish I had this show when I was a kid. Yeah. It would have been amazing to just sit in my room and listen to that song when my mom didn't understand me. Oh. You know, we're getting that a lot. And honestly, that that's really... Dude, that's huge. That's huge. That's called impacting the world. Yeah. That's not just being a good show. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing. We all have a greater purpose in life, I think, than just being, you know, oh, I want to make a successful musical. I want to be a successful comic. We yeah. have messages. So at least with this one show, you can say, you know what? I did good for people. Yeah. And it crossed over. I mean, Chad did not. <laughs> because I know you secretly wrote the words, too. I think we Yeah, right. Oh, you don't want to hear my words. You would not hear that. Um, no, but. What's what's been amazing is that the show has crossed over into pop culture. You know, when yeah. we were on the Thanksgiving Day Parade and our two girls kissed wow. at the end of our song, and there were some people in the country were outraged, but but ten times as many came to our defense. Oh. And all we were doing was, uh, you know, doing what we do in our show. Yeah. And these two girls are in love and they kiss each other at the end. It wasn't a sexual thing; they just ha- shared a kiss at the end. Of course. And you would people, some people lost their mind, right. but then it brought the conversation to people's dinner tables and we got a lot of love back from that you know way more than any backlash oh definitely you know and I I realize we've we've kissed on every major you did not me but our girls (laughs) our girls have kissed kissed each other on every major network over this past year and it's and it's it's a great thing oh it's beautiful because these kids feel represented and yeah and and it really is crossing over into you know a social thing that we didn't expect you know when we were first working on this show we thought we were writing a fun fun musical right and then kind of along the way we found the heart and then we really leaned into that and that has been what i think has been very special right right that's been such a great thing to see oh it's so beautiful and the the tony's thing was great with the kiss at the end i think i gasped in a cute way like they leaned in they they were like it's the tony these are our people they just went into it i loved it i loved it now did (laughs) you would you chad have rather been um, nominated for a Tony in a year where there was definitely, like, without a doubt, a clear winner. Meaning, say Hamilton is up for, and everybody knows Hamilton's going to win. Would you rather that, or would you rather have that sea hair of a chance that you might win? Do you know what I mean? Like, me personally, when I oh. was when I was robbed of my two Grammys, mm. I was pained at the first one because there was no clear winner. Right. The second year, it was before Louis C.K., came out had all that stuff so he was still the the the, the bad boy of comedy yeah. and uh i was like i'm losing to louis ck <laughs> like i'd rather just right, kind of right. know going in it's hey easier. this is up yeah, yeah. so chad would you say you would have rather gone in there going ah there's no hope well it's definitely easier yeah. <laughs> you definitely yeah. have a better time because you're not sort of sitting there on pins and needles going oh god do i have to get up there do i have to make a speech what's going to happen right. so uh yeah it must it's probably a lot more fun when you know you just don't have a shot right right well you know what here's the deal you got many shots in your future you're a young man how old are you oh uh, 49 look at you you're a young person you and this <laughs> matthew who's hanging on to you in order Order to have a career exactly who's <laughs> who's going and sucking up all your talent and using you i feel have great great success in your future are you when are you coming back to the city from your hamptons getaway matthew sklar is getting a very prestigious award so oh. i will get off my butt for that oh, wait a minute nice. what are you coming. getting matthew uh it's very nice the dramatist guild of america oh my um, god 
uh, is awarding me the Frederick Lowe Award, uh, which is as in Lerner and Lowe. Lerner and Lowe, yes. It's Look at me. After uh, him, and uh, yeah, it's for uh, a composer. Um, so they're awarding me for the prom, which is amazing. Listen. And it's and it's chosen by the Council of the Dramatists Guild, which is like all of my heroes which, oh my and, God. and and colleagues. It's a great it's a great honor. I'm really excited. Listen, about it. I'm glad we chose you for that. <laughs> Thank I'm you glad very much, me and my fellow. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate people it. at the Dramatists Guild. No, that is fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, I'm very excited. And the award ceremony, you will wear a tuxedo? I, I don't think it's that formal. I okay. hope not. I hope it is. And then suit, no tie. Oh, yeah. Suit, suit no, no tie. That's very cool. Yeah, I can't wear a tie. Does your lovely girlfriend have to wear a gown or a short dress? Um, These are I, the things I mentioned. She's gonna, I'm, I'm sure she's going to do a cocktail dress situation. Oh, my God. We'll post about it. Don't you worry. I, you better. <laughs> hey, Chad, are you on the uh, Instagram just because I like to follow gay guys and look at their hot boyfriends <laughs> and husbands? <laughs> I am. I'm Chad Bag. Okay. How do you spell that? B-E-G? Yep. Isn't that great? Now, tell me if there's any secrets. You can't tell me secrets, but other than this fantastic Netflix movie, what else are you... Are you guys writing a new show now, or are you like, let me take an effing break? Look at their well, silence. we've got uh, okay. an idea that uh, it would be the same creative team, and we're sort of very early days, but uh, we've got a concept, and uh, we're starting to sort of spitball ideas. Wow. And I know this idea you have. I'm going to guess <laughs> that it's about a former insult comic who grows a heart and decides to help people. And yes, I will yeah, star exactly in your yeah. show. You guys are so lucky to How have did you know? Everybody wants me. <laughs> I can't tell you. But, Chad, I got to tell you, I am so happy for you guys. I used to be one of those people who would be like very sad. And then I said, wait a minute, the right thing's going to come up for my friends or even people I don't hardly know. Like you guys, I said, the right thing's going to happen. And it really is. So God bless you. I think you're killing it. Tell your super hot husband we're going to make out at some point. I'm talking to you, Matthew, which is weird. No, but Chad, thank you for joining us. You're a gentleman. And uh, you, Matthew Sklar are fantastic to be in the studio. Congrats on your award. Thank you. And I think we have a big hit with this prom. Non, on every level it could have been. I love it. I love you both. Bye, Chad, from the Hamptons. Bye, thank you. God bless. Matthew, thank you so much for being my guest. I, for having it me. It is very rare that 50 minutes goes by and I'm this not bored. Fast. I know, dude. Yeah, well, you frequently. know how to talk. You're not boring. Oh, that's good. Isn't it good to And I just want to tell you yes. that I hate flying, so you know, one one thing that <laughs> I have in my iPad is the Flavor Flame Race Shut roast. Shut up. And I oh always watch it when I when we're sitting on the runway. <gasps> It's one of my favorite things, so I love being sitting across from you because you're damn funny. I am funny. See, people say to me, Lisa, what the (laughs) F did you do with your life? I mean, Matthew Sklar inspired to write a show at all. Exactly. There you go. Write a musical (laughs) called Flavor Flavros. I'll do a little cameo. I love it. I love it. Thanks for listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. For more info on Lisa's storytelling shows, her workshops, and her life coaching services, go to lisalampanelli.com. You can also follow Lisa on the socials at Lisa Lampanelli. New episodes of Let Lisa Help are available weekly on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, make sure to leave a rating and review. AP News is sponsored by ADT. Real protection is professionally installed smart home security backed by 24-7 monitoring.
Our team will help you customize a system for your home, including video doorbells, indoor and outdoor cameras, smart locks, and lights that can be controlled from the ADT app or the sound of your voice. You can even help keep your loved ones safe on the go with location sharing, driving activity alerts, and an emergency SOS button through the ADT Go app. That's ADT. Real protection.